This episode of Flip Learning Worldwide is brought to you by Brightspace, the LMS for mastery learning. BAM Radio Network. Our parents and our teachers have been really working on being calm and measured. And so to keep routine when there's a lot of fear in the culture and in the media right now seems like a really important component of doing remote learning. From the U.S. to China, the United Kingdom to New Zealand, Spain to Dubai and beyond, this is Flip Learning Worldwide. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Dan Jones. Welcome to a special edition of Flipped Learning Worldwide. Just imagine if you were told today that your school will need to start teaching all classes online from home tomorrow. What do you need to know and do? To keep students, teachers, and families safe from coronavirus, schools around the nation are considering shutting down and shifting to online learning. This is a smart move, but what does it really take to move to distance learning overnight? Today, we are talking to a couple of educators who are at various stages of dealing with the impact of the coronavirus at their school. Jake, your school is closed. How are you managing your classes? Well, for me, luckily, we're only out for two days as of now. Uh, we have the first confirmed case of coronavirus in our district, and they decided that they're just going to do a deep cleaning, and we're treating it more like snow days, luckily. But for me, over the past few weeks, I was out for eight days because of uh, the flu type B in my family. Three of us had it, and I missed that much instruction. And so if I had taught the old way that I'd, I'm used to teaching back in the day, it would have been pretty awful. I, I don't know what I would have done. I think my students would have just been about two weeks behind in the curriculum. But the fact that I do flip learning, which means I'm doing a lot of online type of stuff, my students were able to keep the learning going. And it was just like nothing had really happened. There was someone else there, but I was even able to chat online with them when they were in their group space and they were able to continue all of their learning. Peter, your school is still open, but confronting the possibility of closing. What are your biggest concerns if you have to shift classes online? next week. The biggest concern would be getting the students and teachers ready to deal with this new way of learning, the way of delivering content, students interacting with the content, and particularly assessing. Out of those concerns, what do you see as the biggest concern? The biggest concern that teachers will face is how do I take the lessons that I've already built that I have planned to deliver in class and transfer those lessons to deliver them remotely. And there's a lot of facets to that. And the teachers need to be able to have thoughtful planning to be able to deliver that with any uh, degree of success. Jake, so what has been the most challenging part of not being at school? I think that face-to-face -face time is really important for students to have you there just physically to be able to, you know, have eye contact and say, you know, how are you doing on this? What don't you understand? Those little micro conversations. But luckily, I've been able to use a chat feature on a program we're using called GoGuardian. And for me, I was able to still have some of those conversations. But it's just a little bit different when you're not there in person. Now, Maureen, you're a micro school director up in Seattle where schools have already started closing. What are issues that you're wrestling with right now? So for us, a key issue is how long to stay open because there are University of Washington now is is completely remote for the rest of the quarter. Um, so big institutions in our neighborhood are, are closing. So should we stay open? And the health department is saying yes. And so grappling with whether or not 
to go remote is one big issue. And then for us, we really want to stay synchronous and we want to see faces and we want to keep the same daily schedule and the routine. And that's a lot different than online and, and sending assignments and having an office hour and check-ins. So we're grappling with how we can stay synchronous. I've thought about this, uh, faced with the reality of schools closing for periods of time that we're not even certain how long they would close for. One of the things I would like to do is use the Google tools that we already have at school. And for instance, if my class meets from 9 to 9.15, I'm in that virtual classroom at that point. My students all join the same class. So it's as if they're going to their period two class and we meet as period two. 45 minutes later, they're going to move to their period three class and so on. So if we can simulate a school day in the unstructured environment of everybody being in their own house, that's one way to keep the, the, that back and forth, that relationship with the students and the teachers. It would be really beneficial to keep a routine for your students if you do have to go to an online learning situation. I completely agree. And we have grocery stores that have shelves that are empty. We have so much unknown and a lot of people are reacting with a lot of fear. And our parents and our teachers have been really working on being calm and measured. And so to keep routine when there's a lot of fear in the culture and in the media right now seems like a really important component of doing remote learning. Now, are there any unanticipated issues that have come up in this whole process? I think part of it is how to manage uh, the students and the, the conversation. So like we will be sending the students home with their Chromebooks so that they are used to the using the Chromebooks and logging in through the Chromebooks. We're looking beyond Google to Zoom because we want more control over muting kids' mics and doing different things. And, and we feel like we can get more flexibility. So sorting out some of those pieces and then how to keep getting real-time communication back and forth when we're not able to kind of see the written work that they're doing in the same way. So doing the workarounds, the other piece is how do we keep community going? Can we have some competitions and have some fun things with the online so that kids don't feel like it's just work handed out, but they feel a sense of the friendships and the community, even though we're not in the same space? Now, three of us are members of the Academy of Active Learning Arts and Sciences. So we had a chance to preview their RTOL program, which is the Rapid Transition to Online Learning. It is a one-hour quick start guide. To what extent does the program, though, deal with the challenges and concerns we've been discussing? Jake, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, for me, you know, I agree with what Maureen is saying about the students in the practice. But I think a big part of it that I love about what they're doing is the teachers are practicing. Because if the teacher doesn't have everything ready to go and understand the ins and outs, uh, that could be devastating. And the whole thing could kind of fall apart. But I think with the RTOL, course, it just does a great job kind of bringing everything to the ground level. So no matter wherever you are technologically, you're able to access this information and feel prepared that you could do this yourself. It's really a quick start guide. It's a, how do you do this, implement a, an online learning when you've never done it before? It's taken the components down, broken them down so they're less daunting. It gives people a certain comfort level that and a little confidence that I can do this. I can, with a little support and a little help, I can get through this. I agree. I, I thought the program was so well laid out. I'm just wondering, Maureen, since you're not a member of the Academy, what preparations are you making and what resources are you relying on for guidance? 
So I'm a part of the Northwest Association of Independent Schools. And so the list serve for the other school heads is comprehensive. And our director of NWIS is in touch with the state health department and with legal counsel, because there are all kinds of issues. Like if one teacher doesn't come to work and self-quarantines, is that sick leave? Is it unpaid? There's so many issues at a school level. So the NWIS has been our source. And then everybody on there is sending in, hey, here's what we're doing. And here's some online resources. So they've pulled together and that's been the primary resource I'm using as a private independent school in the Northwest. Now, Jake, I know that your, your school is closed and it was treated more as a snow day. So it was advertised that school is closed. How were you still able, though, to engage kids and meet with kids? How were you able to still do that? And what was the success of the attendance of interacting with kids? What does that actually look like in reality? You know, it's actually surprising. Um, it's just amazing how technology is nowadays. For me, with what we're using, we're actually trying out this GoGuardian software. And with it, I'm able to see everything my students are doing on their screens. I can see every tab they have open. I can see how long they've been on certain websites. I can chat with the students. I can lock their screens. So I have knowledge of what's really happening on their computer. I can at least see what educational process is being made through what they're doing on there and being able to chat with them and ask questions and really probe the situation. Now, Maureen, I know that your school is still open, but there are a lot of schools in the area. As you said, the University of Washington's closed. What are some of the solutions that parents can be looking at for when kids have to stay home for a month? How do they handle that? First, we're framing it as face-to-face -face school or a remote school. This is not a school snow day, school is not canceled and we're not using that terminology. So we're letting kids know school starts at nine o'clock every day, whether it's face-to-face -face or remote. We have a contract that we're rolling out on Monday that students will be signing and parents will be signing, that students will attend as if it were face-to-face -face school, even if it is remote, and they will be fully present for each session all day and they'll follow their regular daily schedule. And we have the parents signing off that they will support this happening completely. So we're expecting this to be normal school, face-to-face -face or remote. And we're asking parents and students to sign that they will participate regular school hours, regular participation. I think that's really smart. School's not closed. It's either remote or face-to-face. -face. I think that's a really smart decision and wording that you're going to be using. Thank you all for giving your view on the challenges educators around the world are facing with continuing teaching and learning if the coronavirus shuts us down. For Flip Learning Worldwide, I'm Dan Jones. The following is a public service announcement from the Academy of Active Learning Arts and Sciences. RTOL is a free program to help teachers make a rapid transition to teaching remotely if a spreading virus forces your school to suddenly close. The free program includes a 12-step emergency transition plan, a video tutorial on teaching remotely, and access to a rapid response team of experienced teachers to provide ongoing online support. You can access the program at aalasinternational.org. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.